0: back to The Craft, where we explore what we're learning about the creative process. My name's Colby. I'm here with my friend Carter, and today we are talking about AI and art, ChatGPT, Dolly2, generative machine learning, all of these kind of buzzwords that we're learning about right now in, this, in the many different industries. How do they affect creatives? Yeah, well, I'm excited to talk about this. What's, what's on your mind, Carter?
1: Yeah, this is one of those episodes that I think we're just trying to address something real time as we're working out what this means Mm. for us. ChatGPT, as you can find anyone, I mean, everybody's talking about it, but it's really interesting when you confine the conversation to what it does with creative prompts. So one of the first things I did when I was like, you know, my first exploring was write a paragraph about Cheerios in the style of Cormac McCarthy. And it writes this paragraph and it's about like the existential void of the center of the Cheerio. And, you know, I'm here in my office losing my mind like, this is crazy. How can it do this? Um, And then I (laughs) followed it up, write a paragraph about donuts or something uh, in the style of John Steinbeck. And then I got that one back And I started just kind of looking at them together. And I was struck with how the writing, on first glance, you're like, this is magic, right? This is, how does it do this? But then as I was comparing these two, you could see kind of structural similarities, that they're very, very much the same. And then there's this strange sense of it's writing how it thinks an author writes, how it should sound like, and I think this is something. I'll say that I think it's something that someone who reads a lot of literature, and this was the kind of impression I sent this to my two two good friends who were both, and you know, um, it, they were in the PhD program, and, and they were like, "This sounds like what an author ought to sound like. Like it's trying to sound like what it thinks an author sounds like." And I know that's a bit vague, but there was something kind of off about it, and it. It was this initial kind of um, disparity between, oh, this looks like it's magic and, wait a second, something's off here that got me thinking about this question with, with more attention to what's going on with this. And so I've got a lot of thoughts on that. But that was at least my kind of first experience with, and I think I asked it to write a sonnet or something in the style of Tennyson or something like that. But the first thing I did was start asking chat GPT questions about aesthetics, which is like, I can't give any judgments on anything that has to do with evaluative metrics. And I'm like, well, I guess you can't give judgments on most of the questions we're interested in life, which are all evaluative questions. Um, But that was kind of my first impulse to see what its creative potential was. So maybe a good place to start, going back to you, Colby, what did, have you asked it creative to do creative things what was that like
0: yeah i started experimenting with dolly too at one point and actually what i did was it was uh my brother's birthday and so i was like i'm just gonna get it to like make a picture for his birthday <laughs> so i just like tried typing in this prompt of like you know a guy and here's what he looks like and you know put a birthday hat on him and all this stuff and it was just garbage it was like I think my prompt was really bad so it just didn't work out so I ended up doing something different for his birthday but I then just iterated and just tried a couple different like prompts for visuals and for example one of them I kind of had you in mind actually when I did this one. I had I was like do a picture of a man fly fishing in a lake on a sunset with a mountain in the background and it was pretty incredible to see what it came up with and I think I might've given it an artistic style, like illustrative style, kind of painting look. So the visuals were pretty incredible. Obviously that's, I think that's Dolly too. That's a different model from the same company, OpenAI, but pretty incredible that it can just bring visuals to life and something, you know, I think we'll get, we'll probably get into the the value of it and what, how does this impact artists and those kind of different things. But I think that there's a lot of, So far, my main thought about it is that this is a really cool tool for generating ideas and, like, kicking things off and then reworking though. Because if you just take something that it gives you and just use it, I think that that, there's just a lot. There's some things to discuss there, but I just don't think that's – it's going to reduce the – it's going to be missing a human element, one. But, two, it's, you know – then going to just sound like other people that are doing that same thing too. So
1: Yeah, that might be a cool spot to jump off in that it's got this generative value that's really interesting. So if we think about the creative first principles, right, it can create stuff. Well, I don't know. We might say it can create stuff. It can pull from things which are created and rearrange them in new ways if you call that creation, which is a question.
0: Well, that's kind of what we do though.
1: Good point. And it is kind of what we do, but here's the... In some ways. Should I give the phenomenological critique of this right now? Sure, sure. So when you do it, Colby, and you write, let's say, a a line in a song about an oak tree, when you say the word oak tree to another human being, or I say oak tree, right, all of a sudden that word, that concept is informed by the trees that you've seen the trees that you've touched. Maybe you had a picnic under an oak tree. Maybe you grew up in a desert and you didn't see many trees When you saw your first oak tree. It was kind of a uh, something that was, was different. Um, if you said something about, I don't know, an apple tree, you would have the whole sensation of eating an apple. You know what they taste like and smell like and feel like and on your palate. You know about apple pie. You know about the symbolic representation of apple pie as a bountiful American thing. All of your experiences with words are loaded, saturated with meaning and with an actual experience in a world of meaning with other subjects. And so when someone says apple or oak tree, you don't just have a series of letters. You have something that is embedded in entrenched, enmeshed in a broader field of experience and meaning. Now, the code for the English oak tree is not that, right? That's a series of, you know, it's code, so it's a series of numbers, it's a series of representation, but it doesn't mean anything. When you get the code for the oak tree is in my front yard, that means something to a human being? It doesn't mean anything to... A computer, right? There is no meaning there. It's a representation that's devoid of experiential content. And so in that way, it's interesting to, that we can read a passage about the Cheerios and the style of Cormac McCarthy, and we are coming to it with this broader field of meaning and experience. It is creating that absolutely devoid of any sense of meaning. Rather, it's arranging in a text-predictive way, to the best of my understanding, what pieces of code go with other pieces of code, right? It's computing. And so that's a process that occurs, like mathematics would do, in a closed system, if you will, that it's not involved with this broader field of meaning. And so is it creating like us? I would say it's not, it's it's pulling pieces of code that go along with other pieces of code according to how it reads other pieces of code, which I think is would be a shallow way to describe what we're doing because what we're doing is we're interacting with a world of meaning where things are charged with our experience. All right, that's, that's kind of a long little thing there. So
0: for you, it's almost like the difference between there will always be a void between the computer and the human because the human is... Not a computer. <laughs> a human is a higher being, basically. Well, I mean, this Almost. goes
1: to, uh, you know, the we care about things, and this was the big kind of one of the big things that Heidegger did in his phenomenology. Is he said our existence, the kind of things that we are, we care about stuff, and computers don't care. Mm-hmm. Right there, there is not this. There's nothing relational. There's nothing at stake. For the computer, I mean, we live with things that are at stake, right? We live in a field of, of meaning. A life world mm-hmm. is what Husserl calls it, uh, the Lebenswelt. This is the world of things which interact with each other and which have meaning, and our, our tasks that we do every day are informed by these, right? The hammer and the tool and the building, mm-hmm. why are we building, right? Community. All of the kind of existential meaning of what's the purpose, what's the meaning of life, things like love and justice, relationships, all of this, we can't just extract and have some sort of floating consciousness. And this is the big phenomenological move in philosophy. We don't have a mind in the Cartesian sense, which is the mind and the body. And the mind's just this free-floating thing that's neutral the phenomenologists are like, no, you are from your very recognition of consciousness in the world as a child, always already in a series of meanings. And so we can't just extract the mind from the body and separate them, because that's not how it works. And so one of the critiques of AI from Bert uh, Dreyfus, a philosopher, has been, right, it can't do that, because the Mind body split that's kind of based on maybe we can isolate consciousness doesn't work because it's not how we relate to the world.
0: Hmm. Kind of a lot there. You're thinking on this stuff on another level. <laughs> it's very interesting. I mean, it's that's getting that's all the philosophical kind of side. It's it's interesting because I mean, there's so much data that it does take in. Like I'm pretty sure doesn't ChatGPT like pull a bunch of things like even scraped from google and across the web and then you know dissects that information and uses that to then spit exactly. out what it spits out right so it's like in a way it does have like probably it, it has it 100 percent has far more Absolutely. information than i do just like any topic you ask it it's going to know no more you know like 100 percent no more on all of those things but Then the aspect of like the caring and the relational side and those pieces are missing. Like you said, it's just data in, data out, not relational or or meaning. Like even like with the aesthetics or having a having an opinion or a stance or taking that.
1: Even what it knows, you could contest. It doesn't know something because to know something would be to know it within this field of life. I mean, you can't know what an apple is if you've never had an apple or you've never seen an apple, or you've never experienced an apple, if an apple's not a thing. And so for the computer, right, it's... And maybe that's a little too restrictive what I said there, but it's just this radical idea of it's amazing that it gives us these answers. Like I asked it about a battle in the Spanish-American War, and it gave me this, this cool summary. There was a factual error. I'll note that. Uh, but it gave me the summary, and I was just staggered. And I was like, man, you're right. This knows way more but it doesn't mean anything to it. It can't form an opinion. It mm-hmm. can't give a th- thought, right? It can give the semblance of a thought, but it's really just a collection of these other right. thoughts.
0: So your hot take is kind of a little bit anti AI. I feel like. I mean, it's so this is gonna be a this is gonna be a top episode for sure. Mm-hmm. We're gonna be titling this one
1: Carter's Rage. You can say. <laughs> Oh my God. Now, this is a very restricted I mean, I'm concerned, well, with this episode's concerned, AI and art. And so this is a broader concern about yeah, AI, so- which I think is kind of scary, because if we get to trusting things that don't really mean anything, I think it can lead mm-hmm. to precarious places. But specifically for art, I think it's really good at imitating what it thinks a artist should sound like or fulfilling constraints in an interesting way. And so we see that, and we're like, oh, that's exactly what I do as an artist. But it's not. That's my hot take. It's not doing what you're doing because you're functioning in an actual world that matters and means something to you, and it's not. It's giving a collection of things with a series of restraints that look like Mm. someone writing about an apple pie but it's not. That's just a num- a numeric series that it knows is related with another numeric series.
0: Let's get into the practical side of this now. I mean, I think... Sure. I think I, I definitely hear where you're coming from on the level of if it doesn't have meaning, it doesn't have these relational things, it doesn't have like a viewpoint on its own, it would be dangerous for that to be making, let's say, ethical decisions on certain things or whatever it may be. But like, Let's getting out of that theoretical for a bit. Let's bring it down to the practical level for art. I think there's a lot of utility that it could offer to artists and creatives and people in a lot of different ways to be, even if it's just to be a jumping off point. So what do you think is the, what do you think the opportunities are for different artists to use AI as a tool? And, you know, it's just a tool. It's not. To replace the artists themselves.
1: I think that's a huge field of possibility. I don't know what it'll look like, but I mean, we use tools in our art all the time. I mean, the the Mac that I write on is a tool, right? It's doing something, um, but I'm using it. And so if artists are using AI to create art... The artist is still making the art, right? The AI is not making it. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's a complicated tool, but there is still an agent living in the Lebenswelt, living in the life world, who is using it to select, ooh, I like that, I don't like that, that's interesting. Why is that interesting? Why is that aesthetically pleasing, right? Going back to our conversations about taste. AI can't develop a taste, right? We as humans can develop a taste. And so we are still, we're using it. And I think in that case, I mean, this is a massively powerful generative tool. But I'm, I become skeptical with something like on Notion where you give a paragraph and you put summarize this, which it gives pretty good summaries from what I've tested it to do. But when you're asking revise this, right, then what metrics are, is it using for revision, for instance. So I think as long as it's a tool, that's different than a replacement. Does that make sense?
0: It definitely does. I feel like it would be remiss if we didn't ask the AI itself yes, a couple good. questions on this episode. So maybe we could maybe we even <laughs> ask. I've got Chat GPT, I've got Notion AI, which I don't know what is what Notion AI is under the hood. Like, is it the good same question. thing? I'm not really sure. But I think we could start with Chat GPT and maybe I'm thinking maybe we ask it. What opportunities are there for artists to use AI? Maybe we should make or should we make it like a that? harder what, question? What do you think would be a good?
1: Let's really put it on its sure. on its heels. Is okay. what if we ask it? Is AI art
0: real art? <laughs> Always going to the philosophical. <laughs> I'm just be interested
1: <laughs> to see what, and then we'll let's follow okay. it up with 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 the practical question.
0: And, and maybe we give it some more like details. Like write a brief paragraph summary. It, write a paragraph giving your answer, and maybe we could even ask it to write in the style of a George Lucas Star Wars intro <laughs> sequence. <laughs> I don't know if that's even gonna add anything of value. I don't know. In the style of So as you're writing this,
1: what's so interesting is this becomes such an interesting thing because we're doing something. It would be funny to have Star Wars style with this answer because we know what humor is and we know what funny is, right? It's very parameters of making something funny is because we have the experience of laughter. So we're giving it the tools to – we're giving it the meaning. I just thought that was an interesting example there.
0: No, definitely. That's a good point. Yeah. We'll start. All right. Are we ready? Can you see this? Oh, Here we go. All right. So I just put in, is AI real art, real art? Write a paragraph, giving your answer in the style of a Star Wars title sequence script. Okay. And it is typing <laughs> in a galaxy, not so far away. The question of whether AI art is real art has caused much debate among the artistic community. Some say that true art must come from the heart and soul of a human artist, while other ar- others argue that the use of AI in art creation is simply a new form of artistic expression. But as the force of technology continues to grow stronger, the lines between what is considered real art and what is not are becoming increase- increasingly blurred. So whether AI art is real art or not may depend on one's point of view, <laughs> and the answer may be as complex and multifaceted as the very nature of the force Funny. itself. Now here's the question. That's amazing.
1: Is that true? Ask that. Ask it if it's true. All right, it's typing
0: again. As an AI <laughs> language model, I do not there have beliefs go. or that's personal opinions. So there's your answer. Well, let's that. talk about
1: that. Yeah. So that's interesting in that it compiled the tension of the debate, right? That's the tension. But it doesn't give us an answer. Mm-hmm. It just gives us a tension because it can't give us an answer.
0: It doesn't state an opinion, but it just states the other opinions of others, ultimately. Some people argue that it's a new form of expression. Others say it must come from the heart and soul of a human artist. So what is that a satisfying? So what, what do I you think? Is my, that,
1: I mean, what, what do you think about that answer?
0: I, want, I just want to hear 10 out of 10 for the formatting <laughs> and the style. I thought that was clever. But the answer itself is definitely not, it doesn't solve the problem for us. It doesn't give a strong opinion. So it's its not really a true answer. It gave context to what we were talking about. See, I, an I think
1: that's the key. Of, this is such a great resource of compiling things. However, it doesn't give us any sources either, which is interesting if we ask this historical questions. But it's giving us, it, it's basically rephrasing our question, saying this is the one side of the question, this is the other side of the question. But we as mm-hmm. humans are opinion stating machines. I like this. <laughs> this is valuable. This is worthwhile. You can't even imagine... Especially as artists. Of course, yeah. You can't even imagine a day where you didn't interact with values. Should I get up for work? Well, I want to keep my job. Why? Well, I need nourishment. Why? Because life is worth living. Why? Right? We're constantly functioning with... Mm -hmm. We have to go to questions of meaning. And it's just funny that the question of, is it real art? If we continue to interrogate it, right? Right? You're going to constantly get these nice, very compellingly written summaries that are giving us the question in its its tension form without actually giving us anything that moves us closer, I think, to answering the question.
0: And feel free to push back on this. This is just my – this is my take on what's happening. I think that they can – I think that – there's gotta be some level to where the, the machine can push back on our ideas and help us get further to an answer. I don't know that it's ever going to, it. it's not going to have like an authority. Like, you know, we look to certain people with trust because of their expertise, because of their trustworthiness. So let's take a professor or someone, of course, where I think in society, more skeptical of organizations and leaders and stuff at this point, but still, I think we look to people for their, in some cases, their job title or their sort of social statuses can have an impact on how we view opinions. And then that can sway sure. us into a direction. And with AI, there's there's like the credentials sure. of knowledge. There's a, don, a ton of data sure. that they have access to m- far more than a human can handle. But at the same time, they lack those credentials. They lack the trustworthiness of being consistent, of being on time, like just the human elements of just how we build trust within an individual So it individual can be a tool. Site. Yeah, I, I guess that's good.
1: That, Right. It's a it's helpful tool because I think we I'm, make decisions based off of knowledge and it can mm-hmm. bring us
0: some knowledge. Yeah. So I think it does. I think it does move us closer, but I, I hear the pushback as well. I just don't wanna Yeah. I hear that. I so I'm gonna follow up with this. What are some ways that artists can use AI to be more creative? And then let's uh
1: it'll probably give us a nice list enumerated. Yes, it is.
0: Yeah, let's go. Okay, so artists can use AI in many ways to enhance their creativity and expand their artistic possibilities. Here are a few examples. Generative art. So artists can use AI algorithms to generate new and unique images, animations, or music, which can serve as a starting point for their creative Mm -hmm. process. Two, style transfer. They can use AI power tools to apply the style of one image to another, which leads to some fascinating results. Collaborative art. Artists... Can use AI-powered chatbots or other interactive tools to collaborate with other artists or even engage with their audience in real time. Data visualizations. Use AI to create compelling data visualizations, which can help communicate complex ideas. Augmented reality. Artists can use AI-powered augmented reality to create immersive experiences that blend the physical and digital worlds, offering new ways to interact with the audience or audiences to interact with their work. What do you think about that answer?
1: Fair fair enough, I
0: think. Do any of those get you excited to experience them, even as like a consumer?
1: I think that this as a tool can lead to some really interesting things. However, my main skepticism is that it will become not a tool, but seen as somehow taking the place of something that's invaluable. When you're asking AI, for instance, to... I mean, if you ask it, write a short story about a strange encounter in McDonald's with, you know, a man dressed like a cow or something, it'll write you that story. You could take that story and try to pitch it to other places and do whatever. But in that case, you're not using it as a tool. So I think is if it's if it's used as a tool, it's got all these interesting things, but if it's certain if it suddenly becomes Something that is trying to replicate, or imitate, or maybe uh, substitute for the creative process, then I think there's some really, there's some really deep issues that are happening. But all that list was mostly stuff that it could do. Like it said, it could lead to some fun places. It could be a starting point, right? It's in its answer, not really, right? It's not claiming to replace anything which is interesting. It's, it's still trying to say here, here, here I am as an instrument.
0: Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that is on, I think I agree with that opportunity for artists to use it as a, if it has access to so much more data and information, I think that there's an interesting way to, a lot of art is our reaction to an experience we had, a thought, an idea a cultural conversation we create in response to these things. And we say, let me contribute to the conversation kind of like what we were talking about earlier related to, to academic writing. Really we express our opinion basically. And in a way we like you don't, I think uh, there's a difference between taking an image that Dolly two creates and just posting that online and saying, this is my art and taking that art that it creates and then drawing over top of it or revising it or even using dolly itself as like sure the, the paintbrush and so like you're typing in different things i could see someone getting super good at the way you yes. communicate to good. these tools and so then they're like proficient at well no you want to write the description in this way you want to order the the style of art before you order the the contents or like whatever the the kind of tweaks are to make it work really properly to get the desired outcome and then dolly itself becomes the new it's canvas like a and complicated paint. paintbrush and yeah so i think that there is a there's an interesting that's where Good. you're reacting and responding and interacting and actually generating well something said. of yourself through this tool so i think that's sure. an interesting concept too like i haven't even honestly looked into the ai music space which mm. I, I wish i had before this this recording but There maybe is, maybe that same idea could apply there. Like, how could it be that by tweaking and pushing and pulling on that technology, you can generate something new? Because, I mean, the guitar is technology. Absolutely. You know, the keyboard is technology. Everything is technology. It's just how do you use that instrument to create something yourself?
1: I think that's wonderfully said. This becomes our plea, or at least my plea to artists to approach it as a tool because the thing that we wouldn't want to do is get into the habit of allowing this to take up more and more of the space that typically we would do. So it's, we don't want it to, I, I would be, I'm reluctant to, I don't, I, it's hard to draw a line here, but I'm reluctant to say, hey, we just need to watch how much of the work we're offloading so, for instance, the AI for notions got this thing that's like, uh, summarize this or, um, you know, give me the key points here. That, to me, feels very—and this is a different use, it's not artistic— it feels interesting asking a computer to tell me what's important when it doesn't have any sense of importance. And so it's like in that case, it's replacing something I would typically do and say I'm going to read this paragraph, I'm going to understand the concepts, I'm going to say this is the main point. Maybe it comes to the same one, but there's something that's been replaced, like my interaction that you you perfectly described there, of how you can manipulate it and say, yeah, do this, do this. Your place there seems to get crowded out. So I think it's just, it's we just want to prevent the creative place to get occupied more and more. You just don't want to offload the creative act.
0: Does that, I don't know. 100%. No, that makes sense. I mean, I think that's honestly a good place to kind of land the plane. Like, it seems like... AI is a great jumping off point but it's a it's a bad replacement for the heart and soul. I mean, think of your favorite artist, whoever that person may be for you, and like you're not going to get the you don't you're not going to like follow the the work of just this AI in the way that you follow the life, the story <laughs> The full encompassing, <laughs> so all the ideas that tie yes. into, you know, who for you, like maybe Bob Dylan, you know, it's like there's so much attached to who Bob Dylan is that you can't just div- subtract, you know, take his art and just set that aside and ignore his life story. He moved to New York city with $20 in his pocket. There's these stories, these parts of his life where maybe not New York, I don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah. He mo- you know, it's like, there's, there's this story that m- ties into who he is as an artist and that is what comes out in his art. And this human element can't, we should be careful about removing ourselves from the creative process. You don't, there's, it's like, it makes me think of like companies and how they're like white label stuff. So it's like, imagine if, what is white labeling? It's, it's where, let's say that I am Apple and I need to add a new feature to my ad, to my phone and so there's a company that makes that feature and I just, you know, slap the Apple logo on it and put it in my uh, software as an Apple product. Okay. So potentially what Notion's doing, I don't actually know if this is true, but they might potentially just be white labeling OpenAI. Okay. So it could be ChatGPT GPT under the hood.
1: Do they pay for the rights? Like how Yeah, does you that work? like pay a licensing okay, fee.
0: Okay. So it's like, in a way, there's certain questions in companies. Like, let's say we're a company that makes melatonin gummies or something, right? But we don't actually make them, right? We just buy them from this manufacturer, slap a logo on it, and that's our company. It's almost sure. that, like with art, if I just go to Dolly and I get my art <laughs> and then I just slap my name on it and say, like, I made this. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's not an unethical thing for, for companies to do that white labeling. It's like, we can't be doing every single stage. like Sure, sure. Efficient for companies to use templates on websites or to use certain things and just outsource it. That yeah, makes sense. But yeah. it kind of gets into this question of like, Patagonia wouldn't outsource their creation of the shirt, right? Like that, there's something about the story of Patagonia where they, like Yvonne Chenard was making these pitons for climbers by hand. He was blacksmithing in his yard. Like that's a part of the story. And that you kind of sense that in the, the, the gravitas that like Patagonia's marketing has, I think ties into the, you can feel the quality of their products. It would be very, of course, that doesn't mean that they just do every single thing that they do in-house. I wouldn't be surprised if there's outsourcing of a lot of things, but there's a question in every company of like, how much do we outsource before we lose our, have no soul in this company or no sort of expertise that's actually a valuable competitive difference to other people. And I think in the same way, that was maybe a long-winded way of saying like, I wonder if there's something like that here with art and AI, where if we outsource too much, it's not bad to outsource some things. Do I need to do every single step of the process to be a real artist? No. But like, if we outsource everything and then all we are is just sort of- uh,
1: The person hitting the key. Not even the person, yeah. just a something hitting the key.
0: Just a brand almost. A block falling down
1: and hitting the key.
0: Is that okay? Is that really art, you know? But then there's an aspect of like being a tastemaker. It's like you get to a certain point and you're not the one maybe doing the, the thing anymore. You might just be signing off on it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean... Well, so
1: let me jump in on real quick on the Bob Dylan example, which I think is interesting. Um, I think one of the things that you were getting at there is that there are almost limitless amount of variables that go into the creation of something for a human being. I mean, what you what he ate for breakfast mm-hmm. on the day that he wrote "Like Rolling Stone," right? Did that matter? <laughs> what conversations did he have the night before? How did he get up out of bed, right? All of these, like, there's Mm -hmm. a limitless number of variables that lead in a life to creation of art in a way that I love how you said, like, it's like us following it along. there's, There's a person here that we can see as the culmination of all these lived experiences and artistic product being created. But when we don't have that, and I think you're trying to write, where do we put that line of I'm just putting a stamp on it and then saying it's mine? Or where do we put that line of I'm, I'm manipulating it so my fingerprints are on this in a way that's meaningful and that it, it, it expresses mm-hmm. the sum total of variables that went into my life when I did this? Like mm-hmm. I think that you're right. That that's the heart of it. Mm. See, we know what that means, the heart of it. It's not an organ. It represents something more, right? There is symbolic layers when I say that's the heart of it that we understand uh, that, yeah, AI could pick up symbolism, but it's picking it up because we think it's meaningful.
0: Hmm. Dude, I think it's exciting. I am excited to see where it all goes, and it seems like a great tool, but a terrible maybe replacement for the artist. I don't think we need to worry about it coming for all of our jobs kind of thing like i think that's one thing that comes up sure, is like sure. oh it's going to take our jobs i think that there are a lot of jobs that will be wiped out by ai but i think that there is also a lot of opportunity at the same time that op- opens up for people at the same time so sure. specifically in the artistic space i think that that's not something to be afraid of i don't know if that's me speaking from a place of like blindness or privilege or something but i f- i just don't feel of course i think on the one hand certain technical things will become good just like so much faster and more efficient for a machine sure. to do and so if that's your kind of place where you make money or whatever that could be a, a concern maybe but at the same time i feel like the there's a value that you know it's like automating things to make The human's life easier is a good thing because then we can do the thing the computer can't, which is those higher Mm -hmm. levels of thinking Mm -hmm. and value and taste making and and so it's a positive. I guess I'm not I'm not super worried about that part. Yeah, that's good. Do you want to do a quote of the week?
1: Sure. I don't have a quote of the week.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's see. I think we actually we got a new, you know, the new The Reservoir. Repository.
1: Ask ChatGPT to give us a quote of the week. That's what we ought to do.
0: Okay, let's actually do that. So give us, find a quote of the week for our podcast, The Craft, exploring the creative process. Something, the quote should be something inspiring about AI and art and creativity. How about that? Does that sound okay? Let it rip. Let's see. Here's a quote that might inspire your listeners on the topic of AI and art. AI is not here to replace artists. It's here to liberate them from routine tasks and allow them to focus on the creative aspects of their work. Rafik and Adol. This quote emphasizes that AI is not a threat to artists, but rather a tool that can help them push the boundaries of their creativity. It can help artists automate mundane tasks and free up more time and mental energy to explore new ideas and experiment with their craft. By embracing AI, artists can unlock new possibilities for their creative process and bring their visions to life in new and exciting ways. <laughs> oh, that's so great!
1: Hey, don't worry Basically about like, it.
0: <laughs> trust us. <laughs> there does feel like a bit of AI bias in there, but that's oh, okay.
1: It's so funny. That's a good good i think that's where we want to be at thank you ChatGPT, for our quote of the week
0: (laughs) awesome all right that's all good stuff in hey thanks for listening to the craft with carter and colby where we share what we're learning about the creative process if you're a writer music producer marketer filmmaker photographer or you just love creativity then this show is for you Our cover art was designed by Elizabeth Newell. You can learn more about her work at elizabethnewelldesign.com. That's Elizabeth, N-E-W-E-L-L, design.com. And you can follow her on Instagram at elizabethisadesigner. If you like the show, there's three things you can do to help us out. First, subscribe so you learn when we post new episodes. Second, send the link to one of your friends who you think would enjoy the show. Uh, Really, word of mouth is going to be the the number one way we grow the show in any way. And three, if you have a topic you want us to cover or feedback about how we can improve the show or comments on what we've said, you can respond to heycraftpodcast at gmail.com. H-E-Y-C-R-A-F-T podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.